We're in the midst of the Q1 earnings season. All signs still positive for the most part. Many companies have managed to beat Wall Street expectations this time around. Our chief equity strategist and economist, John Blank, gives us his read on things now. John, as far as I can tell, these positive earnings reports don't seem to be moving the needle much on their corresponding stocks. Is that what you're seeing also? Well, I think we're seeing a little bit of change of that today with Facebook up 6.5% and Apple up 2%. I think the really big tech stocks are actually playing a, a strong role because um, they play such a big part of the indices. I think really the issue has been to get to the big tech stocks, the big mega caps that move the indices. Just for, for, uh, for everybody's uh, learning here, I'm looking at data circa April 23, which is actually six days ago. And the earnings growth rate for the S&P 500 was 34% annualized, which is way higher than back in March when it was 24% annualized. So there's been a 10% increase in earnings estimates for this first quarter, which is quite substantial uh, upward revisions. But I think what's going on, Terry, is analysts were just way too pessimistic on the first quarter uh, relative to what happened. Well, as many company earnings have topped expectations, much of the euphoria is rooted in easy comps on them. So the question then becomes, what's the sustainability of these earnings increases? Well, you hit the nail on the head, Terry. I mean, the Q1 to Q1 is including January, February, and March of last year. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get into the 60% growth comps for Q2. That's when the real shutdowns happen. So believe it or not, the, the, the backward look year-on-year year issues are actually going to get much larger next earnings quarter. Uh, so that also tends to create a kind of smoke screen for people. And uh, you can only say to yourself that for sure this market has to look beyond Q2 numbers to Q3 and Q4 to get any kind of perspective. And frankly, I think even that's not the perspective. I think the market's really looking at 2022 already. Would a corporate tax increase be a threat to future earnings? Well, the, da the data on the corporate tax increase is yet to be in play. As long as it's in the 25 to 28% range, uh, which is a return to where it used to be, I don't think it will be in play. And that's what we'll see. But uh, in general, taxes are a secondary motivation for investors and traders, and it tends to be ignored. Uh, the, the correlation coefficient is very low uh, for a tax increase to the stock market, but uh, that is prefaced on the idea that this tax increase is relatively moderate, and that remains to be seen. I'm going to hang on this earnings beat story for a little while longer. You recently wrote, in the simplest of terms, a major company earnings beat is not what it used to be. What did you mean by that? Yeah, Sarbanes-Oxley came out a few years ago, you know, to deal with accounting fraud and also put the, the, the onus on analysts to be held accountable for what they publish. And what it had in unintended consequences, it pushed analysts out of being uh, very controversial, uh, aggressive uh, attacks on companies because it's just a lot easier to correspond with the CFO and, and stay out of trouble with Sarbanes-Oxley. So what's happened here is, we're getting more and more uh, fluff in earnings guidance uh, coming from covering analysts because they basically don't want to get stuck by by the, the loss. So 
this has created more beats that are probably really in play, and that means more beats are being ignored. You also recently wrote about Q1 showing a semiconductor arms race. What's the story there? Yeah, well, everybody uh, who has tried to buy chips for the plethora of devices that are now uh, embedding these chips is finding out they're competing with one another. And for whatever reason, uh, and it's a good one to ask, the supply work chains for chips are not producing the, the, the quantities that people want. And you have to ask yourself why that is. It's really kind of interesting because it's been a growth sector for years. It's not a surprise to anybody. Uh, but I think the answer is what the surprise was is just how much demand there was above aggressive uh, projections. And that's very bullish chip stocks for at least another year. Um, and that's, you know, keeping your eyes on any semiconductor chip companies, or if you own them, to keep them around for another year at least is probably a good idea. It's also impacting the auto manufacturers. That's it, because they can't sell cars that don't have chips to produce these dashboards and all these sensors and all these uh, internal uh, mechanisms that are, you know, setting your tires and, and then your stabilization and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, a car, I mean, as Tesla has proven, is basically a computer now. Yeah, let's not forget, Tesla, that you focused on earlier this week. In your Global Week Ahead report, is there something there that concerns you? Yeah, my concern is basically Tesla is now the market cap of the entire automotive space. <laughs> so, I mean, come on. I mean, is it really true that a car company that's just started and is still not making money after Bitcoin investments and tax credits are excluded is something that should be valued at the level of the entire automotive sector. Uh, the way that people get around this is they say, well, it's not an automotive company. It's this battery, solar, uh, transformative electric grid, you know, juggernaut. And um, my dispute with that is, I don't think if it is that all the other automotive companies can't duplicate even that model. Because for example, why wouldn't Ford and GE and GM and Volkswagen, for, for particularly Volkswagen, I mean, for their giant conglomerate in Germany, I can't imagine they don't see through not only the uh, the Volkswagen automotive part, but the solar and the battery power walls and all the other partnerships they can create. So any story people tell me about Tesla. Even the big macro story that they're not an auto company, well, then all these automobile companies that are not part of the game right now can also go the same way Tesla is in those areas. So the whole thing doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Overseas markets overall seem to be mixed right now. So is the U.S. bull market still intact? And are you looking for a choppy, more range-bound summer? Well, the range-bound summer may well arise because we've got so much stimulus coming forward, and uh, the 10-year Treasury rate is going to reflect the bond finance that has to be issued to produce uh, all the spending that people seem to be sticking their hands out for, and that can drive the market down. So we still have yet to see the 10-year move up beyond you know 2%, but that's from the best economists I know, they're all looking for that. And once that happens, then we really may see a choppy range by market. But bull market's still intact right now? Bull market's intact for, for now, for sure. Um, and I certainly would be, in some respects, welcome news to have a choppy six months or nine months because of the valuations. And letting the valuations go sideways while earnings and everything improve would be a 
but would keep the bull intact without and lower the valuations incrementally, which would be good. Okay, let's look at a few top-ranked Infotech stocks on your list. NVIDIA, Micron, and LG Display. Yeah, these are three that's interesting to take in order. NVIDIA, of course, is the, the AI super chip uh, that everybody has been buying for, for years now and has driven it up into the triple digits. I mean, this stock is nuts. It, uh, it can't go any higher, you think, and then it does. Now we're at $610 a share. Uh, just to give you an idea where this thing was, at the start of this year, it's $520 a share. And if you go back even further, this thing was only $100 a share in 2017. So it's gone from $100 a share to $600 a share in basically one, two, three, four, five years. So $100 a share, not a problem for this stock every year. Um, market cap, $380 billion. I mean, uh, unbelievable. But yet, look at the earnings. They, they got earnings for $15 a share next year. $15 a share is is on a $600 stock is, you know, putting a forward PE out there of uh, 45 uh, that I'm looking at. And uh, 45 is twice the S&P 500. Um, but it's not more than that. It's not Tesla. So that's what's interesting about NVIDIA. Let's go to the next one here, which is Micron. Micron's a memory chip company. They're massive, uh, but the market cap's you know only ninety six billion. M Micron's been an incredible tear since the election. It used to be fifty dollars a share. Now it's ninety. So Micron is really where you see uh, the chip story come to life most. Is that it's it's gone up the most. But again, PE ratio of fifteen point seven. Well, the S and P trades twenty one. Very likely that Micron's going even higher from here. So this is what's interesting is as you go through these names, they get cheaper, and but the, the uh, valuations don't get uh, get less and less uh, damaging. So now we're back to LG display PE ratio of six. This is just uh, your standard, you know, electronic displays for televisions and stuff. But the value score is eight. So you got to ask yourself: Should I buy, you know, Nvidia at six hundred, Micron at ninety, or should I buy? LG at 14. And uh, this is something that valuation and value scores uh, really play a role and should get some rotation into the value issue and get away from the growth issue. And that might be uh, the way the market moves forward from here. Okay, talking earnings and the market and a few stocks with our chief equity strategist and economist, John Blank. With John, I'm Terry Rupolo. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.